Hi, I'm Melissa and welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast where we can normalise the conversation of motherhood and delve into issues that are quite often swept under the rug. Join me every single Tuesday for a brand new episode with a brand new topic. This is a mummy's club you want to be a part of. Hi and welcome back to the Mummy Warriors podcast. I'm your host Melissa and today I am joined by Stephanie who is a mum of three and the CEO of the organisation Set Me Free Project that focuses on the prevention and education of human trafficking. Stephanie, welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast. It's a pleasure having you here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So what I want to do is you to start off by telling our listeners a little bit about who you are and a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I am a mom of uh, three kiddos, some on the adult side. Um, and a fur baby, and a wife, and the CEO of an organization that um, that I love to be a part of. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I just want to get straight into it because obviously um, we've spoke before, and your organization um, is a lot about this. I want you to explain to our listeners what is human trafficking. Absolutely. So human trafficking is literally defined as the buying and selling of a human being for the personal profit or gain of another through force, fraud, or coercion. So that's a lot to unpack there, but it's important to know that human trafficking requires three people, the buyer, the seller, and the individual being trafficked. So Three people are involved and there's an exchange of something of value. So that could be money, that could be drugs, that could be a place to stay, whatever it might be. Um, And then it's also important to know, we often think of that force piece when we're talking about human trafficking. So kidnapping and sending somewhere else. But really what we see so often is the fraud piece, which is deception, and then the coercion piece, which is manipulation. So that is what human trafficking really looks like. Right. So it has a lot of branches to it. There's a lot that meets the surface. Why do you think over the years that more awareness is being brought to human trafficking? Because this wasn't something that was spoke of before before. Right. Well, and and you're right. It's been going on for a very long time. Um, But I think that one of the things that has brought it to the forefront is in part social media. I think that it's really easy to kind of keep tabs on things that we weren't able to keep tabs on previously. And we're able to bring information to the forefront in a much broader and faster way today through social media. So I think that's part of the reason that we're seeing, hearing more about it. But I think it's also because of social media that it's also increasing. Right. And what was the main thing as to why you got so involved with human trafficking and making a difference and wanting to bring awareness to human trafficking? 
So I worked previously with women in the area of domestic violence and addiction. And um, one of the people that I worked with said, let's help sex trafficked victims. That's a quote. And I said, okay, having no idea what that meant. And we really had this misconception, which is very common of what trafficking looked like, which is people coming in, being sold, and you know, going out again. Um, what we found out through our research was that it was really all about relationship building and traffickers luring individuals that they want to traffic online or in schools. And it looked very different than we thought that it did. And one of the most striking things that we realized is that it was our kiddos at risk for trafficking. And so we thought, well, gosh, no one's talking to the kiddos. No one's talking to the parents or people who work with kids. We need to do something. Amazing, amazing. And what, again, well, you touched on it briefly, but what is the main misconceptions about human trafficking that you find? I know for myself, I, one of the misconceptions I had is that it only happens to girls or it's something yeah. that is, is very feminine, you know, it, it's a, and kidnap as well. It's usually one of those things that you, you go to the store and then all of a sudden your child is taken. Right. Um, what, what are your, what have you noticed to be the main misconceptions of human trafficking? I think those are some of the biggest misconceptions that it's only girls who are trafficked. And along that line, it's only men who are traffickers. When in reality, um, 52% of trafficking recruiters are male, 42% are female. And so that's a really important percentage. Now the rest of the 6% that we're missing there, they're people doing it as couples. And so if you know that we've got females out there and couples out there that are trying to lure our kiddos, whether boys or girls, um, that kind of changes things a little bit because as a mom, I always said, okay, if you're ever in trouble, go to the nearest mom with kids. Yeah. But there was a mom um, who, in, in my community, she owned a spa. Now, it was not your traditional spa. It was not a good spa, but nobody knew that. And um, she was shopping in the mall one day with her daughter, and her daughter saw a friend of hers, and they started talking. And this mom said, you know, I'm looking for a receptionist. I would love for you to come work for me. And so this mom, Mary, her daughter's friend went and worked for her. And after years and years, or after months and months of Mary grooming this young girl, um, and we'll talk about the grooming process, but she finally said, now you're going to go work in the back. You've probably noticed this is not your typical spa and started selling her over and over again. So she was recruited and sold by her friend's mom. Wow. That's so shocking to me because I've always in my, again, my misconception is that the woman is more trusted and that this is something that women would, women would never do. This is something that is pretty much a male dominated industry. 
but the percentage of women to me is quite high and even though you said it's only six percent couples that's still quite high because it, it, it it's a little bit like well, what does child trafficking look like then like who right. what are you looking out for because we have this notion that it is to someone all dressed in black with their yes. face covered and who's gonna yes. snatch your your kid and it's obviously people sometimes who you trust. Exactly. And I, I think that that is probably the biggest thing that everybody really needs to understand is what it looks like and what it doesn't. Because if we are looking for the white van driving by to mm-hmm. snatch our kids, we're actually going to miss how it really happens. And the majority of the time, what's happening is our kiddos are on social media they are allowing people to follow them that they don't know. And so are some of us adults as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they put all this stuff out there and then a trafficker, and this is the grooming process. So a trafficker then says, okay, that is a target for me, whatever that may be. Traffickers go after the vulnerable and we all have vulnerabilities. They're not necessarily weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that could be a kiddo who says, just got in a fight with my mom. I'm so frustrated and boom, I'm going to target that person and say, yeah, me too. Let's, let's chat about that. Then they build trust. And so that can look like a number of things. You know, you love chocolate cake. So do I, you Mm want to go visit this place? Me too. And they know what the kiddo wants and loves because they're following them on social media and those kids are posting it then they fill a need. So when I fill a need of yours that seemingly no one else in your life is filling, we create a pretty strong bond. And so that could look like, gosh, I love you. You're so beautiful. You're amazing. And maybe I don't feel that or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. And if a trafficker does those three things well, the next three things are much easier to do. They isolate. So that could be as simple as your friends who used to be around are not around anymore. That's because I'm the only one that cares about you. Right. Or your parents, so controlling. I would never treat you like that. And then they sexualize as a product. And that could be pictures and sharing them or whatever it may be. And then they maintain control. And that's the grooming process. That's how they do it. And they're doing it on social media and anywhere our kiddos are. So basically it's like sophisticated pedophilia. They get into your head, mind control. Yes. And then it can sometimes from some documentaries that I've seen, it can become kind of like a Stockholm situation where the victim doesn't see that this is actually your abuser this is not good for you this is something that is not healthy um which will get on to another point as well that 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 we raised before um what has been your most since doing this work what have been the most traumatic cases about human trafficking that you've heard of or or directly dealt with You know, probably one of the most um, dramatic cases, I would say, that created a ton of trauma was a young girl 
who was, um, I believe she was approached in a movie theater and she was with her friends and, you know, they were talking back and forth and she wound up um, going with this. It was a guy who was luring her and it was three days, only three days she was with him. And it was so traumatizing and she was beaten. She was raped. She was, I mean, it was just very, very brutal three days. So much so that when they did recover her, which was amazing. And she was in the hospital when her mom walked into the hospital, she didn't even recognize her daughter. My God. That's how traumatic um, those three days were. So that's, that's probably one of the worst, um, you know, short lived experiences. They are all pretty horrifying. All of these situations are pretty horrifying. And, um, I, I talked to a mom one, the, uh, not too long ago, it was a couple of months ago who called me in tears and, um, her son had been gaming and just, you know, gaming online. And, um, he was befriended by an older boy Mm-hmm. who they connected and started to be friends. And this older boy sold him all around the community and in other areas, just um, absolutely this. And it, it was so interesting because I looked at this family photo. I wound up seeing a family photo and it was just the, you know, an idyllic family. That's what, yeah. you know, and so I think that a lot of these cases, people think, well, it only happens to kids in troubled families, but it really is happening to kids everywhere. Is there another question I had? Is there like a common age of traffickers? Because I remember in school or a little after school, they would say like, Predators are usually within the ages of, I think it was like 26 to 36 or something, which obviously back then I was like, well, that's pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that old again, man. Right, right. In this sort of world of trafficking, what is the age of the predator? Are they, is it around the same age or are they a lot older? Um, that's a what, is, what is their profile, basically? What, what is generally yeah. their profile? That's a really good question. You know, traffickers themselves are, I mean, they run the gamut of profiles. Um, a lot of them, it, you know, when you think of it almost as a network, so you think of, you know, a, a business and you've got the mailroom um, employee all the way to the CEO. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really similar in a trafficking network, kind of like a drug network. So a lot of times the recruiters in trafficking, often they're, so those are the 52% males, the um, mm-hmm. 42% females, the people who are doing the luring, oftentimes they're um, victims themselves or they were victims. And um, so we see a lot of the recruiters who are very young. Um, Some of them are children. Some of them are teens. Some of them are in their twenties or thirties, but they tend to be very charismatic 
very attractive. I mean, they're, they're somebody that you would want to hang out with typically. Yeah, someone that you're not scared of. Exactly. Exactly. But then there's uh, definitely a huge network that ranges from ages and different, um, you know, genders, different races, but the buyer does have a very strong profile. And that's typically now, not to say that the buyer can't be a female, can't be younger or whatever it may be, but the buyer typically is male, mm -hmm. um, middle-aged and usually, um, pretty professional. And so that's really? what we typically see. Yes. So the people we would see all the time. In fact, there was a sting just done in Ohio. It was the biggest sting in Ohio to date. 161 people were, um, I think it was 161 people who were busted basically. 10 children recovered. But of the 161 people, there was a teacher, there was a, oh um, there was an attorney, there was a doctor. I mean, I think, you know, all of the things that we would, exactly. People exactly. we trust our life with, our yes. kids with. Yes. Yes. Wow. Because they're just as bad as the trafficker, really. Oh, yeah. Because yes. it's a supply and demand business. Yes. So they're so just as the bad. Buyers, there would not be a, a business. Exactly. It wouldn't, you know, it's quite disgusting, quite frankly, as I said, yeah. I don't know much about it. I'm learning through you, but to, to know that the buyers are, are professional um, people that you, you generally don't think twice about leaving your children around. Yes. And every scary. one of these buyers were trying to buy sex from a minor. Disgusting. So it, it, it truly, truly is. And that's one of the reasons. So we don't teach things like stranger danger mm -hmm. and we don't teach, um, that roles should be trusted. And we really talk right. about the importance of understanding what a trustworthy person looks like, what a trustworthy person doesn't look like. And that sometimes there are people in roles that should be trustworthy people, but that want to do us harm. And so having those safe adults in our lives that we can talk to and say, okay, this is happening to me. What do I do is so important. And that we as adults need to learn to be trustworthy people. Right. Exactly. Which leads me on to asking who is most at risk for being human trafficked? What does that look like? So, um, excellent question. There's the, the range of ages span from infants to senior citizens. Oh my God. And so we've seen infants trafficked, unfortunately. I mean, it's just an evil, evil right. industry. But infants and children are often used as leverage. So if I... Um, have somebody I'm trafficking and I say, go service that motel. Um, you're coming back to me if I have your kiddo. And so a lot of times infants and children are used as leverage. Right. And then 
Um, even up to senior citizens, we have seen um, sold for sex. But the most common age group that we typically see is teens and young adults. Right. Wow. I'm, I mean, the, the whole span of it. In certain ways, I'm not so surprised about teens because I feel mm-hmm. like when you reach a teenager, you're always that more vulnerable, you know? Right. Especially for when I was a teenager, being a girl growing up in London, it was a case of like, well, definitely human trafficking or sex trafficking was never mentioned. It was just, right. I don't want to get kidnapped and raped. And that right. used to be, as sick as it sounds, that used to be the worst thing that could happen. Right, but right. almost being sex traffic is the worst thing that can happen because yeah. you, again, we'll move on to that point that the chances of you recover, being recovered and coming back is slim to none. Right. Um, and then senior citizens is quite shocking for me because I would have thought, well, you know, I know they're a vulnerable group, but I wouldn't have thought that they would be something in interest of that world, you know? Right. There was a nursing home actually that was busted in the United States because one of the residents was selling the other residents to the staff. My God. Yeah. So it it's wow. It, it's nothing but evil. I mean, that really yeah, it, it just it. makes you question like what sort of world am I living in? Right. Do, like you know again a senior a senior citizen home and a resident it's just again you you god forbid your parents come to a certain time oh. where they need to be put in a home you can't take care of them yeah. like they're meant to be safe right right you and know? they are vulnerable they're in that they are they really so, are and which again perfectly leads on to this point is why are less than two percent of victims recovered. Yeah, that that's a shocking statistic, um, which is why our goal is to stop trafficking before it starts. We want to actually get those kiddos protected before they're ever in um, mm-hmm. a situation like trafficking. But I think one of the biggest reasons is exactly what you were saying before, that there is a trauma bond that happens. So first we've got this relationship and we have to remember that there are, um, we're seeing a huge increase of familial trafficking. So moms and dads are the traffickers, grandmas and grandpas, you know? And so that changes everything because that's just a part of the family um, internally. But when we've got somebody who has a relationship with this person, and I always give the example, if I were to kidnap you, throw you in my white van and drug you, you're not gonna be a great quote unquote product for me. But if I become the mom you've never had, and I start to feel those emotional needs, like I give you what what you think is love, and I, I talk to you and I take care of you, or I give you, place to stay and clothing. And that happens over a long period of time, like a year. And then I say, Hey, you know, we are struggling and we need to pay the rent. And so I need you to do this one thing for me, just one or two to a three max, just do this to help our family. You're going to be a very different quote unquote product for me because you love me. You trust me. And you think you've chosen this. 
And so that trauma bond is so strong. And um, I heard a survivor actually say, you know, I've been out of this for a year, but if my trafficker walked in the door right now, I would go with him like that. And it's just an insidious, it's, yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. It's so sad to say. And the thing is it you trauma bond number one is such in on all aspects is such a dangerous thing. Yes. And even with that person saying that victim saying like if their trafficker came right in and mm-hmm. they would go right with them, it just goes to show that this is something that's hard to heal from you know and hard to it can't just be like oh you're out of it it's done you're healed and go back into society this would have long lasting effects and in effect have to retrain the mind because you do get that whole stockholm syndrome you know yes Um, i think a lot of people think well why don't they just leave let's just and and you're absolutely right it is layers upon layers upon layers of trauma And the recovery time, really, I mean, with trauma, you know, a trained trauma therapist in human trafficking, um, it's, it's a lifetime of recovery. What can we do to protect our kids from this happening to them? Because I'm sure you've dealt with many parents, many, many parents that have said, I didn't think this was going to happen to me. And as ignorant as this is going to sound i'm sitting here as one of those probably ignorant arrogant parents that be like this would never happen to me but the reality is i was too i don't know yeah that's the sad reality is i don't know right there's also a prevention so or, or education so what advice can you give to our parents listening to prevent this from happening Well, the first thing is, yes, education is absolutely key. And, um, you know, we, we love to travel. We love to be where anybody is. But one of the things we do, there's a lot of times I will hear people saying, how can I get this in my community? How can I, um, how can I get into my schools? And when, when it's a, um, a community that's far away from us. One of the things we offer is um, we can, first of all, we can do webinars, especially with parents and community members, but we also sell our curriculum and our model because what we do and the way we present is totally different because we bring in engagement, critical thinking, and humor. Despite the Mm -hmm. topic, we always Mm -hmm. say we take the topic very seriously, but not ourselves. And so we teach agencies how to do that. And then we support them for an entire year and then they can recertify and things like that. But just on a practical level, what I would say is always know where your kiddos are in the real world, in the cyber world at all times. And so monitoring their phones and all of their media, monitoring their social media, finding out who they're talking to, who they're, who's following them, who they're friends with, having those open and honest conversations with our kids, which by the way, actually have to start 
with the annoying conversations with our kids, right? Mm -hmm. That has to start with, you want to talk about Minecraft for two hours? Okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. And then our kids will start, you know, they will trust us. And, mm -hmm. um, and when they come to us with something not reacting, we have to in initially just, okay, thank you for sharing. And that opens the door, not that there won't be consequences if there need to be, but that opens the door for further discussion because it is, I would say traffickers build incredible relationships. We need to build better ones. Right. And so that's right. really the number one way to prevent trafficking is building relationships. So the other thing, and we love talking social media with parents because there's a lot of little things you can do. Having a charging station at night so that your kids can take a break from social media. Those phones aren't in their rooms or things like that. Um, but just really being active in the social media world with, their, with your kids and knowing who they are spending time with. That's right. really important. Um, yeah. Doing the old fashioned, come over and meet me and all of that stuff, because I think yeah. critical things. That's kind of dying down a little bit, but I definitely yeah. think that's, that's a good thing. Meet, meet the friends, parents and so forth. Absolutely. And else. Just one other last question I had as well. Do you think this is a worldwide issue or, because I know when I originally spoke to you, I was like, I thought it was like a West, uh, sorry, a third world right. issue. Right. I never realized how much it was a Western issue. So now it got me thinking, is this just everywhere, but it's so hidden and underground that it's not being put to the forefront all over the world? Yes, it is everywhere. And what I would say too is different, we'll see it differently in different cultures and different countries. So in the third world, it might look different than in the Western world. I mean, it might, but it is happening everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's happening um, in our own communities. And it's, it's just, you know, it's when we think about, we say the oldest profession is prostitution. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the reality is that um, there is sex work and there are a few legally people who say, yes, I've chosen this, but it's very few and far between. I heard a statistic that it's only about 3% of people who say, yes, I want to be a sex worker. Wow. And then I look at those people and I say, okay, was that a pure choice? Was there trauma in your life? Did, you know, what was that decision built out of? And so it's, it's, um, you know, we see, it, it seems like, okay, because if you ask a trafficked individual, are you being trafficked? Their response is going to be no, no, absolutely not. So it's, um, it's everywhere and it's been going on forever. Wow. Which is, that's very shocking to me even yeah. to to even think about that on that perspective where can our listeners find you and find the information to sort of educate themselves more about this topic because it's not going anywhere unfortunately unfortunately it's not and with so with social media which is also not going anywhere it's just getting much much worse so 
Yes, they can find us at setmefreeproject.net. And um, we love to help people. We love to connect with them. We love to talk to them. And I am happy as well to answer any questions. So you can find me at Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E at setmefreeproject.net. But we're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube under Set Me Free Project. So you can find us just about everywhere. Amazing. I think it's an amazing thing that you're doing, especially the awareness you're bringing. I've learned so much myself being a mother of a, a boy and my ignorance could have got myself into trouble because obviously I have a boy. So I really appreciate the time you've taken to give us the information and the start of the information us mothers need to, to gain, um, to protect our children from this very yeah. evil, evil industry. Yes, absolutely. Well, I really enjoyed this time with you and anything I can do to help or answer questions, we always want to be a resource. So don't hesitate to reach out. Amazing. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening in to this week's episode. Feel free to leave a comment, like, and share this episode. If you want a chance to be a guest on the show, all you have to do is send me a DM on my Instagram, which is at the Mummy Warriors. See you next week.